Hi, this is Donna Valentino. Welcome to Kick It With Donna. Are you ready to get real? Let's talk. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. This is Donna. Thank you for joining me today. I am continuing my podcast series on bridging the gap between conventional and holistic. So this is, I think, the fourth one that I'm doing, and I'm doing with a guest today. I have two guests today, but Vicki Knipe is a, does one-on-one ministry, and I will let her explain what one-on-one ministry is in a minute. And we also have Carla Nunn, and Carla does Mommy Strong, and that is a 12-week comprehensive transformation physical and mental mm-hmm. and bridging the gap between conventional holistic teaching them exactly mm-hmm. so the whole idea of this series between conventional and holistic is that and i know i fall into this category conventional is great and sometimes it isn't and holistic is great and sometimes it isn't exactly. so i have been trying to find a happy place for me personally and i don't believe that i'm the only person trying to find a happy place i think that all of us are trying to find something that works for them individually mm-hmm. so um vicky's here today to talk about what it is that she does and we'll go to vicky in a second and then when vicky's done carly you can uh chime in on what it is that you're doing and your goals and we can move on from there okay so vicky it's nice to meet you again thank you and welcome vicky and vicky why don't you tell everybody what you do well let me kind of backtrack and tell you how i ended up doing this i think okay. the backstory is an important part i was uh i got born again in the late 80s and i had a radical conversion and i really knew that god was real and i knew that if i knew the truth that my life would improve greatly. There was, I knew there was a truth. And for 15 years, I was in church every, day, every Sunday, every Wednesday, read a lot extra, did a lot of extra audio um, uh, recordings. But after about 15 years, I got very desperate because we hear about how God wants to heal and restore our lives, but I wasn't seeing very much of it. And I don't know about you, but I, there, there's very little of it. And it isn't for a lack of sincerity or a lack of intention. It was a lack of understanding, I found. And I got to a place where <clears throat> I went before God and I said, I have to know how you heal and restore a life. I, I, this is just not acceptable. And I said, if you will teach me, I will teach whoever will listen, which was an unusual thing for me to say at the time because I never taught anything, never wrote anything, never did anything. I just had this, this prayer uh, come out of me. I think it was God breathed. And from that moment on, I have been on quite a ride. God has done a tremendous, given me tremendous insight through uh, linking with people who had pieces of the puzzle to understand how he really frees and restores his people. And through that 15 years, I have written a couple, you know, extensively, and I've developed this thing I call one-on-one ministry. And when you begin to understand, even psychology understands that things pass down from generation to generation. That's true. It's, um, I mean, psychology sees that. And it's not just biological. Yes, diseases and things like that pass down, but mindsets and um, attitudes and other things. Like you'll see divorce come down through the family tree or addictions come down. Well, that's not biological. That's, that's something that is not biologically sent down. That's something else. And the Bible calls it generational iniquity. 
Okay. And so we hear a lot of t teaching about that. We pray that prayer and all that. But really, it's the, it's the thing in our life that keeps us really stuck in areas of our life. It trains our thinking, and I know, and it really has an influence way beyond what we really can imagine. So what I've learned to do in one-on-one -on -one ministry is to help people understand that influence in their life. And then I walk them through the relationships in their, in their life. Their relationship with their father, their mother, their siblings, boyfriends, girlfriends, children. teachers, children, spouses, ex-spouses. And I'm looking for what I call door points in their life. I'm looking for, because these events, I'm much more angry. I'm much more fearful. I'm much more, I feel much more rejected and abandoned. All of these things that we all battle on a daily basis. And don't know why, they, you just can't get over it. And there is, there is a, a real setup in how that gets established in your life. And what I do in one-on-one -on -one ministry is I tear that down. And I teach you why it's there and how to really walk out into freedom with it. So is it, would you call what you do a rebuilding? Like a it's, a tearing, it's a tearing down and it's a rebuilding. Okay. And it's very methodical and it's much more in-depth than anything I've ever seen. I think, one of the, the, I think God is a very individual God. He wants to minister to you individually, and I think that the church has lost that, and um, and for various reasons. But the, what I do is so individual and personal that it just really disciples that person in who they are, what their covenant is, how how um, the things in their life get set up, and how the Word says that we can pull it down. And it's just. I just have the honor of sitting in a chair and watch people's lives change over and over and over again. It's just okay, amazing. Okay, that's my next question to you. Mm -hmm. You've been doing this for about 15 years? I, I asked the question about 15 years. Okay. I, um, I ended up doing some writing and teaching for a while, and then I went to a three-year discipleship, or, yeah, intern, internship that helped me begin to understand how to do personal ministry, and I wrote the other half of the curriculum of my book there. So... Um, so I've been doing one-on-one -on -one ministry since 2009. But she's been doing groups because I did her first group. Okay. Yeah. That's how we met. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I did classes before that. Yeah. So God kind of established some things in me in my writing and just teaching our covenant. Mm -hmm. And then I got went into an intensive three-year uh, discipleship and intensive. And that's where I did my one-on-one -on -one ministry. Because I believe if you are called into ministry, you should do, go I through totally this. Agree. Because right. your discernment would be way off if you haven't gone and healed that. Mm -hmm. So that's a big part of what I'm doing now is I'm getting the opportunity to train people in what I'm doing and, and empower them to learn how to really uh, minister to other people on one-on-one and in group and teach. So you've written a book then? Yeah, well, I've written, I've written a couple major Bible studies. Okay. And this last year, I began a series of classes. It's six classes. And I put them all together in one big collection. So in this one big book, I call it Journey to the Safe Place, and it is two major Bible studies. On one of, part of it is what God wants to establish in you and how your covenant operates, and the last half is how the enemy set up his, what he's done in his, your life and how to tear it down. Okay. So it's both sides of the coin, so it's just like one big 300-page book of Okay, because I know that when I met you a couple weeks ago through Carla's mm -hmm. uh, Longevity and Wellness Fair, mm -hmm that I actually said in my little five minute speech yeah. that I would like to get together with you because I definitely have issues related to my past 
that I feel I've overcome some, but I have not overcome yeah. everything. Yeah. And so for me, when I hear the word ministry or I hear church or I hear prayer or I hear any mm -hmm. context of that came from the Bible, yeah. it brings me back to a negative place yeah. that, that's rooted in my childhood. I totally understand that. Okay, so I, I'm going to assume that I'm not the only person right. that this happens to, right. where the Word of God is good mm -hmm. and God is a God of love. I'm going to assume that I'm not the only person. Oops, is it working? So for me, this is a journey that I need to take, and yes. I know I need to take the journey, yes. but I've been resistant yes. because it's such a negative place it brings me back to. And I've come to the realization that it's it wasn't God. Exactly. It was the messenger exactly. who brought the message to me, mm -hmm. who is my mother. And because of this relationship that we had that was so negative, That's right. um, she taught out of fear, with fear. Yeah. So that's how I learned the Word of God, which has nothing to do with fear in general. I looked at the Bible as a, as a youngster as lessons to be learned mm -hmm. that were mm -hmm. mistakes made by other people. Mm -hmm. So isn't that why it's written in the first place is that you read it and you can, oh, well, I see what Solomon did. Mm -hmm. And even though it might have been negative and wrong, God still loved him. Right. Mm -hmm. And right. he still put him in a position right. of power. Because none of us right. are perfect. Right. We're not, we were born perfect, but that, boy, that apple. <laughs> 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 that apple just sort of made everything right. disappear and free will came into play. And I'm not saying anything negative about free will. We have free right. will for a reason. But I know that I need to get overcome this negativity part right. in my life. And I'm glad you brought that up because it's very, very, very common. Okay. People have lots of mis uh, misconceptions about who God is and what our covenant is. And I think that was one of the very first things that God began to teach me is who he was, what, what our covenant means, and what he really did, and what our battle really is. And one of the things I have to, one of the first questions I ask is, How's your relationship with God? And there's oftentimes anger and confusion, mm -hmm. and they don't understand why these things are happening, and they think God is doing it. Right. And so I have to, and I've had, I've been in that place too. So God has been very good about helping me learn how to communicate who He really is and what your battle really is. And once people begin to understand, the most common thing people say to me, "Oh my God, it finally makes sense." Right. And I really I really have hope now that I can get free of this stuff that I can't get free of. And that that happens ninety five percent of the time. I clear up so much confusion. And he cleared up a lot of confusion for me. Well I think I think that part of that I'm assuming is that people that you meet with mm -hmm. are coming in with an open mind in the first place. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. They're so really, they, yeah. They've reached that point where they realize, well, I can't get over this hump in the right. road unless right. I seek help however you choose to right. seek it. But you mentioned something about church experience early on in your life. What was that like for you? What did what did that do for you that made you want to seek a different Path. Well, the church that I grew up in and, um, was like a denomination. It was a Lutheran church I grew up in. And um, uh, 
and I didn't have, it was not a very good experience. I knew there was a God, but it was a religious church, mm-hmm. and I, I thought just being a Christian was just going to be the most boring thing in the world, so I went down the party scene. Okay. I'm so. sure you weren't the only one. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so when I got, you know, in a really, really deep pit in the late 80s, I knew that only a God could get me out. And that was my introduction. I didn't, I didn't find God in a church. I didn't find God. I found him in the middle of the night, in the middle of my bedroom, when I was in the deepest pit and in the most fear, and he showed up. And the words he spoke to me changed my life. Okay. And then for 15 years, I did, I did everything that everyone did. And I learned a lot, and it was a very valuable experience. But I got really real, and I just said, if you are a healing and restorative God, why am I not seeing any of it? And I knew it wasn't him. I knew it was something that we did not understand. And so I said, Lord, help me to understand. What are we missing? And that is what he's shown me over the last 15 years. You know, I've, I've done a podcast on this before, and it was way back, but I felt that my experience as a child growing up in a born-again Christian family, yeah. my mother was definitely a religious zealot. Okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. She believed in Jim Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad told me that she actually bought tickets wow. for her. My, her sister, my uncle, who's married to the sister, and me, tickets to go to his compound. Wow. Okay, I, I don't remember this. So we could all blame that on a head injury, or we could just yeah. say there were just certain events in my life right. that were traumatic enough for me that right. I don't need to remember it, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. She bought the tickets. She sent jewelry to this man. She sent gold coins, and my mother was just who she was, mm-hmm. and her sister too, so they were sort of a twosome. I, you know jokingly call it a cult. Ha ha. Funny, right? It's not really funny. I could have been dead then. Could have been. Mm-hmm. Right? I would have been. And so would they. Right. But I'm not. Right. So there's a reason why God spared me that experience. Right. Several experiences. Very. Okay. And you know what? There's a list. Mm-hmm. There's a list of experiences. But I left that relationship going through, uh, let's see, we started with a Baptist church, then we went to a Pentecostal church. That, And this is nothing against anyone who's Baptist or Pentecostal by right. any means. Right. That was an experience that was like one of those holy crap moments, okay? It got so bad that I wasn't allowed to, all of a sudden, not allowed to wear jeans, not allowed to wear a bathing suit, not allowed to have friends, mm-hmm. not allowed to drink, dance. Are you for real? And then they wanted me to marry a family friend who oh. was 10 years older than I was. I'm sorry, that's weird. It is weird. Very weird. And not to get too personal here, I'm just going to say that I was a virgin when I was with my ex-husband, but I sure did push the envelope prior to that. Mm-hmm. That being said, there was this, uh, what do I want to call it? this wave in the air that that's not cool not good so but somehow it's okay with this family friend Mm -hmm. because he believes what you believe Mm -hmm. i'm sorry that's a crock of shit what message are you sending me you're sending me mixed messages right i broke it off with him i got to the point at the age of 19 where i knew these people were crazy Mm-hmm. The I, I need to get out because mm-hmm. to self self preservation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got out. I never regretted getting out, but 
the three attempts I've made over the years to establish contact with my mother mm -hmm. were never successful, mm -hmm. nor will they ever be. Mm -hmm. So my biggest thing for me, another thing I'd like to overcome, I know that forgiving releases anger. Mm -hmm. I have forgiven people mm -hmm. in my past, and it's an amazing mm -hmm. thing because the anger just disappears. Yes. When I think about my mother, which isn't often, but if someone else has a conversation about their mom or, you know, mm -hmm. I saw my mom today, it brings me this sense of crap. Mm -hmm. I don't feel good about it mm -hmm. because I've never been able to forgive. Mm -hmm. I don't understand. Maybe I'll never understand. So can you forgive? without understanding, without getting an apology. It's very difficult to forgive someone that's still alive. Like, you know, like, you know, that you want to have a relationship with or wish it was different. But I'll let you, sorry, I had to. I have to deal with this all the time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Absolutely. so this is nothing new. Nothing new for me. <laughs> okay. No, and that doesn't negate what the significance of what you're saying. Okay. It's because a lot of people come in and they, they want to forgive and they want to release. What they want to do is release it. They, they're yes. tired of the burden of it. Yes, it is they're a burden. They're tired of the, the, the pain of it. And that's what I help them relieve. I help them walk into that. I think a lot of it has to do with rejection. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Rejection and, and bitterness are best buds. They keep each other in place. Okay. So. And I know, see, the thing is, is that I know that. <laughs> I know that, and I still can't seem to jump that hurdle. Yeah, and that's what I do. Okay. I can get you there. So, in other words, there's, there's, a, there's a, a path to success. Absolutely. Okay, so that makes me feel I wouldn't better. be here today. Right, right. Not, because I've done this, yeah, over and over, and I have to do it in my own life. But... It, it, the, the inability to do it comes from not your intention and your heart, sincere heart intention to do it. You just don't know what's keeping you stuck in that place. I often say I help people get unstuck. That's how people okay. feel. They, you know, most of the people I work with, they're very high functioning, beautiful people that, you know, have much success in a lot of areas of their life, but they're just really stuck. In this area, like what you just described, mm -hmm. and you're just tired of being stuck in that. You want to be free of it. I want to be free of it. Yeah, and these are the people that I can help with that. It's interesting that you say that you want people to become unstuck because that's the whole point of me mm -hmm. podcasting in the first place. Right. To get people unstuck yep. when they're in a position where they feel like they don't know how to get out. Yeah. So I'm not alone then. Oh, oh it, yeah. this it is a plague in the Christian church. People are, they've done everything they know to do and they can't get free. Can't and get I free. was, that's where I was 15 years ago. I couldn't get free. I didn't understand why I couldn't get free. I was sincere and as intentional as I could. I sought knowledge, but I just didn't know. There were just some things that I did not know and it's not readily taught. No, it isn't. It's not readily fact, taught. What's readily taught and what we're conditioned to believe. Mm -hmm. Going to church. Mm -hmm. Putting money in the right. basket, singing hymns, right. getting on your hands and knees right. to pray, um, going on retreats, mm -hmm. doing this, that, and the other thing. It's so, I don't want to use the word pointless, but what is the point? It's surface. It yes. Just, it just, it may dislodge something for a while. That's why what I do is it's much more long term. Um, you know, here's the thing. Jesus said that the greatest commandment is to love God with a whole heart. Right. And he said, I came to heal your broken heart. 
And a brokenhearted person is a person that has anger and shame and guilt and fear, and they feel rejected and they feel separated. That's a brokenhearted person. That's almost every person on the pew because they've had situations come through in their life that they have not been able to reconcile. And so it drives their perception in life. You know, the fear of man and the fear of what people think and the fear of failing and the fear of being rejected rules our lives in many ways. And it, and it got set up in that because of what's happened throughout your life. And I, I agree. So Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love God with the whole heart. So we need to get your heart healed. That's what I do. I heal okay. your heart. Love yourself. And as you love yourself, you will be able to love others. You can't love anybody more than you love yourself. Mm-hmm. That's okay. True. A brokenhearted person that cannot love without fear. They're too afraid of what people think and what they're doing. They're trying to figure out everything. It's just, it's just torment. Okay. So I help you, and he said, and on this hang all the law and the prophets. He said, everything is about relationship on these three levels in your whole life. Every bit of destruction came through a relationship breakdown. Every bit of it. That's probably true. And so what I do is help reconcile those three levels of relationship because that's the pathway to healing. You are not going to be healed if you don't feel loved by God. Have a proper relationship with the Godhead. Not a religion, but a proper relationship with the Godhead. A proper loving relationship with yourself and proper loving nurturing relationships with other people. That is the pathway to healing. I think probably what I get stuck on the most is mm-hmm. that I have two children. I love my children. Mm-hmm. I'm proud of my children. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to reject them mm-hmm. and forsake them for something else. Right. They're my children. My mother did not do that. Mm-hmm. She threw everything in the trash. Right. And there's this blob of crap that I can't seem to wheedle through because it makes no sense to me. Well, it, well, the interesting thing of it is, is what I do is I, I spend a lot of time looking at what's in your generations. And when I sit down and build your family tree and you recognize what's coming through your family tree, I'll probably show you right why that got set up and why she did that. It's interesting. I would, you know what, I would love to go down that road because I like knowledge too. Yeah. And I want to be able to heal myself and overcome. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I I like myself. Mm -hmm. Well, not just that, you actually are doing it for your legacy, your kids. No doubt about it. That's so true. Things that you break off from that, even though you didn't reject the way she is, Rejection can still be in that line in another exactly. form. In another form. It'll yeah. show up in other ways. Okay. And so that is why you get the full picture of what it is. So when a person comes in and does this spiritual, this work with me, and it not only is going to affect them, but it will affect their generations. Now, if they're adults, they, they may have to, we may have to work in the next generation. But my children, my, hus- my ex-husband and I were partiers. We partied until almost 30 until I got born again. I have four children, and I never was the religious type to tell them what they needed to do. I wasn't the control. I mean, I was controlling in the beginning, but I lost it, thank God. Control is not God. You see what I'm saying? Legalism mm-hmm. was when you use the word of God to control another person, and that's what these religions do. But, but I set an example, and they watched me change throughout their life because I dealt with myself. So they could see there had to be a God because I changed so much. I had answers to life. You know, I didn't have a bunch of Christianese where I talked the religious talk. I actually could go to you. And that's the thing about millennials. They need authentic. They're not going to take some 
full that, that's, answer. That's a very good. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yes. You have to have an answer for them. And I have intentionally gotten to a place where I can answer it, and they can see it, and and I can back it up with historical, uh, medical, and all kinds of stuff. And because of that, none of my children party. My oldest daughter is married, and she has a very healthy and happy marriage. That's a breaking of a curse in my family tree. I'm sure it is. And she did it right in front of the rest of my children, and they see the fruit of following that pathway. So, not that they won't have stuff to deal with, but they're so much further ahead. Well, mm-hmm. I I did find God again, mm-hmm. and it was through almost another accident mm-hmm. because my ex-husband is Jewish. And after what I came out of, mm-hmm. I wanted nothing to do with God. Right. Okay, I basically blamed him. Yeah. For... This is the kind of God you are? I'm not serving you. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. didn't make sense to me. Yeah. I'm sorry, because what I, what I was being taught out of fear made no sense to me yeah. after the example that you set in front of me. Yeah, it wasn't God. It, Most of well, it no, but I, at the age of 19, you guess don't know. what? Well, I didn't know that. I know. So I walked away. And when my ex and I got together, I told him flat out, I'm going to convert to Judaism because mm-hmm. I want no part of mine. And I did that. But it never felt good. It didn't feel good right from the get-go. Mm-hmm. It's something was wrong with it, but it couldn't figure out what it was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I did it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a process. Mm-hmm. So my kids, Nikki was bat mitzvah, Jordan was bar mitzvah. I went, sent them to, you know, Hebrew school, and they went to Solomon Schechter as preschoolers and little tiny tots. So I tried to walk the walk because I needed to fit into this mold. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. and I'm, and this, I am not degrading Jewish people at all because. Most of my friends are Jewish. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I played tennis with Jewish women for 20 years. We had friendships, we had kids together, we went to each other's parties. It was all good stuff. Mm-hmm. But after my accident happened, do you think I looked for God? Pfft. No, didn't even think of it. Yeah. The thought never crossed my mind. And it wasn't until, I don't know, three years after my accident, one of the people that came to visit me all the time with his girlfriend got sick, got congenital heart failure. He was at UT and I went to visit him mm-hmm. and it was coming back from visiting him. It was kind of a crappy night, raining, and I'm in the right-hand lane of the tollway, I'm gonna get off at Spring Valley mm-hmm. and somebody next to me decided, oh, I need that 635 exit. Missed me by a hair. Oh. I don't think the person even knew I was there. Yeah. Both hands on the wheel, slammed on the brakes, Nothing happened, and I remember thinking, I think I'm supposed to like scream and shake or something. I didn't either. Mm-hmm. I got home, I guzzled down the glass of wine I left before I went to the hospital to visit him. Mm-hmm. I got into bed that night and I did something I hadn't done in decades. I prayed. Mm-hmm. I thank God for saving my life again. So it showed me something. It showed me that I needed to address God in a different way, mm-hmm. not in the way that I was taught to do, Mm -hmm. but in my own way that made sense to me. Mm -hmm. Okay, why can't I pray to God in the privacy of my bedroom, in my bed, not on my hands and knees, not in a church, 
not giving money to somebody to tell me something. Why can't I have a relationship between me and God for his ears only and not in front of a group of a church? Mm-hmm. Why? Is that is that wrong? No, not at all. I no, all I didn't think it's wrong. We all do it all the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah So it's kind of changed my attitude mm-hmm. on what God... I'm the one who walked away. He was always there. Yeah. Okay, so I feel like I sort of jumped that hurdle, but I still have this big blob of crap right. that I can't right. seem to maneuver through. And that would take trusting someone, and your trust has been busted because of the spiritual abuse. Right. So it's hard for you to trust someone. And I think that's what the beautiful thing about the one-on-one is, is it gives you an opportunity to get to know me, and God just puts some kind of thing on me, I guess because mm-hmm. I am trustworthy. People trust me. Mm-hmm. And they trust me with their heart, and my, I'm so honored that they would, because it's such a delicate, precious thing, trust. It's very true, and it's easily broken, and not very get, easily not broken. Very easily either. Very, yeah, very easily broken. But once the tr- God, you know, instills a trust between us, it's amazing how He'll start sharing. Because we we can have that relationship and, and pray, but we need knowledge because the Word says we we perish because we lack not. We don't understand his ways and how he does things because it's so foreign to human thinking. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? And so we need to be taught, but we need, we need not to be taught just, you know, on the pulpit and we're in, and in books and stuff. I say that, that, that Western Christianity's biggest problem is that it's too, the, the discipleship piece is too fragmented. I get a sermon here, a book there, you know, oftentimes it's just commentary. It's not really study. And so our people are confused. They know bits about how, the, how it works, but they don't really know the full picture. And I think that's what God showed me over the years, is he, he showed me line upon line how, how he does things, how I can come in line with him. And it has been so loving the whole time. And every time I blow it, you learn how to just say, Father, forgive me, just enable me to grow into this. And that's how he is. But we have to learn how he operates because... And that's what I teach you in the classes. Do you have one or two success stories that you can talk about? Yes. Because I think that would be helpful. Well, uh, one of the biggest important uh, um, reasons why we so see so little physical healing in the church is because we don't understand how we're made up. We are uh, spirit, soul, and body. So, you know, we have this connection to God and to the evil that operates on you you do agree there's evil in the world okay there's a connection there and they're trying to get us to think in their ways and then it goes through and it comes into our cerebrum where our our mind and our will and all of that is and then it moves through the limbic system here and that's where our emotions are that's where our memories are so our our thoughts are being uh being uh given to us through spirit it goes through the soul and then that spirit soul and then body connection right here is the hypothalamus in the back of the neck the hypothalamus is the master gland of the endocrine system so all of the glands and all the body chemistry is run by the hypothalamus and it also runs the neurological system which is our electrical system okay but it it directly responds to our thought life Research says that 80% of all diseases come from our thoughts. That's what I'm going to talk about on Sunday is how that extensively and how that works and, and, and it's eye-opening. But for the purpose of this conversation, so what happens is, is if I'm in a car, that car accident you were just at, you just described, mm-hmm. okay, your hypothalamus went danger and, did, and it sent out the chemistry and the electricity it needed to 
operate in that dangerous situation. That's how that worked. But it came through your thought life and the five physical senses. Okay. Okay? But if I don't feel loved, and if I'm angry at somebody, really angry at somebody, and I don't ever resolve it, I feel shamed, and I feel guilty, and I have all this fear, your hypothalamus recognizes that as an enemy. And it will go into fight or flight just like it does when you're in danger. And it will start sending as signals out to, to, to send out chemicals and electricity to operate in that. You know all those feelings you get when you're angry and stuff? The hypothalamus is running that. And if you don't ever resolve it and come back into peace, you'll stay in fight or flight always. And there's over 60 uh, diseases that are just simple chemical imbalances coming out of thought life. Okay? What I do is help you come to peace with that. Well, I had a woman come in about five years ago, and she had fibromyalgia. Fibromyalgia is pain without an organic reason. She didn't have an organ that was diseased or anything. It was pain without an organic reason. It took many years for doctors to even recognize that this was a thing because it's, it's actually a plague now. And because there's no organic reason, they said it's in your head. Well, it is. So she, for five years, she went to every healing modality she could find to try to get out of this pain. She was declared legally disabled. She lost a six-figure income. She had a little girl she couldn't take proper care of. She was in bed for a year and a half. Allopathic, uh, um, neuropathic, uh, chiropractic, pain management, nothing touched it. She thought she'd spend the rest of her life taking a fistful of pill managing this pain. And she was only in her 40, early 40s. And I told her that this was, she's very characteristic of it because the profile behind fibromyalgia is it's, it's almost exclusively female. They are women that are very driven and perfectionistic. Uh, and they've been set up to, to, to see life, that they need to be that way. They've never had men in their life that nurtured and take, taken care of them. So they're very, um, like they said, they walk around like the weight of the world is on their shoulders. They got to do it all. And they're in a constant state of feeling like everything I have to do. Well, that's your psychology is being set up that way. And so the hypothalamus picks up on that thought and says, I got to do. I got to do. But there's no, so it sends uh, signals down the extremities, but there's no corresponding action. So it just pulsates on the joints. So I told her that. She goes, you pegged me. That's exactly how I am. So I started working with her. And I, st- and I started helping her resolve the fact that her the father wanted a boy and got a girl, second born. That mom and dad were uh, gone a lot. I don't think mom didn't even work in the same city as them. So she was literally gone all week long. And then on the weekends, they had stuff to do. So she very early on, she became very self-sufficient. She was required to, her and her sister. Then... Her father was abandoning because he, you know, abandonment is coming down through the family tree, so he's following suit. He's there, but he's not invested in her life. He's not nurturing her and teaching her like they should. So then she goes into uh, teenage years and adulthood and pick men that won't love her because that's what she knows. That's what's driving her. So she never feels loved and nurtured by the men in her life. Because that was her norm. That was her norm. She was the controller. She did everything. She, she walked through life feeling like she had to do it all, fix it all. And the hypothalamus picked up on that, started sending these, these signals down, and she walked into this fibromyalgia pain. So for eight or nine, ten months, I helped her walk through and make peace with all of that and, and dealt with the door points and do what I do. And, I, um, and she found a loving father in God. 
that she'd never known because she was taught wrong too. Mm. And you know that one day she woke up and that pain was gone. And that was five years ago. What do, what do you consider door points? A door point is, is, is an event in our life that because of what had happened, um, I come out of that. I might have had some fears and I might have felt rejected and abandoned. I might have had some guilt. But because of that event, I came out of it and it's like 10 times stronger in my life. So it can come through just a, a, like something that happens in the family all the time that just kind of sets it up. Or it could be... Um, divorces. Divorces. Accidents. But, you know, let me... One of the, in one of the teachings that I do, I read a story. This is a really good example. I read a story about a little girl. She was in a counseling room, and it was in a counseling book that I was reading. And she was a toddler, and her father was taking her to the pond. Um, because they just had a baby, and, and so she kind of says, uh, he probably took me there to give mom and the baby a break kind of thing. So this is her first opportunity to have a loving relationship with her father, spend time alone with dad. She's a toddler, and she's remembering this. And then the name of the park was Wade Park, and she got to take off her socks and shoes and wade in the pond at the park, and she was, it was really fun for them, right? Until dad started telling everyone that, she thinks it's called Wade Park because she gets to wade there. And she saw that as a put-down. She saw that as he's making fun of her, telling her she's dumb and all this kind of stuff. And she's just a little girl. And so what happened is, is from that point on, she no longer felt safe with him because he was, she felt like he was teasing her. And, he, and, he, and she would say, all through my life, he would just point out my mistakes or, or, um, or um, uh, tease me in this way. And so what happened is, is that would have been a door point for her that no one would have ever seen or even known that happened. But all of a sudden, she distrusted him. All of a sudden, she didn't feel safe to, to be herself around him. She saw herself differently because now I'm this dumb person kind mm -hmm. of thing. And, uh, and then that would have affected probably who she would have you know, been uh, attracted to, and friends and relationships going forth. And that would have been like the original... So what happened is, is through the generations, there's this idea of abandonment and feeling of, uh, and joking around, and that set her up to go there. So her whole life, and here she is, an adult, and she's in a counseling room still trying to resolve this because it really became a theme in her life. But it was a simple thing, but it was a door point for her because it changed her. You see what I'm saying? So it can be the big stuff, and it is the big stuff. It is the big stuff. But we need to find the little stuff, too. Okay, so... What can you offer people who are listening now that feel like they're resonating with what you're saying and going, hmm, I, I, I could use some help with blah, blah. What, what can you actually offer them that they can come home with and, and be happy about? Um, that there's hope. Okay. That, that, that the gospel is a loving gospel, and it's an empowering one, and he really does heal and restore lives today. Okay. And I'm that, I, can, I can say that with 100% certainty because I watch it all the time. I will tell you that it's not going to happen like magic, right. that you're so going to sure have to be willing to invest in your healing. If you think about the fact that 80% of all sickness and disease is caused by your thought life through these kinds of things that I kind of touched on today, what is the price you're paying by not dealing with it? Is it worth getting sick? No, nothing's worth getting like, sick. I like to say with the bitterness piece, you know, you're really bitter against somebody. Well, it's very evident that if you're bitter enough, it could kill you. Bitterness will kill you. You'll have strokes mm -hmm. and heart attacks. That all is the underlying thing of all of this stuff. Doesn't so, stress have the same effect too? Yeah, stress yeah. is fear. Yeah. Okay. 
And so absolute stress will kill you too. Right. But as far as the bitterness piece, if there's something that you really feel stuck in, like you described. Okay. Okay. If you're if some if you think you need to hold on to that bitterness, is it really worth dying over? Oh, no, absolutely not. No, no, not at all. It's the fear and the ang- the anxiety that people battle, the guilt that people live in. Do you want to come to peace with that? You don't have to carry that any longer. You really don't. I am a completely changed human being. I am a complete I used to have so much fear of man that I didn't have an opinion. I just kind of went with the flow, did what people did. That's why I ended up throwing away my 20s, because I was that way. Right. Afraid to fail. So if I was afraid to fail, then I'm going to, I wouldn't risk anything that I knew I wouldn't do well. I get that. That's So what, what I like about what you're saying is that you are a product of what you've been able exactly. to learn yourself. That's why so you're I not be teaching so, someone something that you haven't gone through yourself. That's why I'm so effective. I relate to so much of it. Okay. And I've overcome, a, I'm not completely there, but I've overcome a lot. And but you're I, willing to keep learning. Always. I'm always. always wanting to be better and okay. walk freer and have more peace. So you mentioned something about some classes. So yes. talk about when they start, how that works. And so There's six classes and um, they, I'm start, the next class I start will be in the middle of April. Okay. And I have a calendar on my website, which is calmnation.net. C-A-L-M. N-A-T-I-O-N, Calm Nation. I call it Calm Nation because I'm taking you into peace and I'm training people to help me. And Calm is actually an acronym that means change a life and multiply. And that's been the whole vision. This is not based on one personality, one person doing it all. But this is a person who started something right, and is going to teach so that we can go out and help heal as many people as possible. Well, see, you mentioned you have four children and that they've seen mm-hmm. the benefit that yeah. what you've done has on mm-hmm. you and then it, it reaches out to them. Me having two children of my own, I also feel that need to help my kids out. Yeah. You know, emotionally in that regard because they are a product mm-hmm. exactly. of the product that I'm a product of. Exactly. Okay, so it's this line of mm-hmm. products, right, mm-hmm. that come down. And even though you might not understand why something's happening to you, yeah. those door pointers you're talking yes. about, they're in the same place. Exactly. They're dealing with issues that they don't know how to get out of or overcome either because of why? A lack of knowledge. Right. They don't know. They don't get it. So I feel like what I get to learn... I can pass on to them. Exactly, which is exactly what I did to my kids. All my, all my kids have taken my class. Can you believe it? They showed That's up to, pretty excellent. I know. And they didn't, I didn't have to, like, wrangle them in. They took it. Well, really. I think you, as parents, even as friends, we're a role model always. Exactly. So everything that we do and say mm-hmm. is repeated, mm-hmm. watched, mm-hmm. learned. Mm-hmm. And I've had, my son has done two podcasts with me. Yeah. And it was a, quite a while back. It was, uh, wow, maybe a year ago. And we did it on family dysfunction. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to talk about mm-hmm. how he felt rejected mm-hmm. by his dad. Mm-hmm. I said, Jordan, go for it. Mm-hmm. You know how therapeutic that was? Yeah, I bet it was. It was actually a 22-minute therapy session that I wasn't anticipating. I didn't know what was going to come out of his mouth. But it was raw, and mm-hmm. it was real. And he got to voice it. Mm-hmm. And then... A couple of weeks later, we did another one on negative triggers, hmm. okay? Things that trigger you back to a right. bad place. Because unfortunately, 
The positive triggers aren't the ones that you remember first. No, it's not. They're not. No. It's the negative ones you're going to go back They're to. They're stronger. Because, yes, because it's a stronger one. Exactly. So did we talk about a couple of positive things? Eh, not so much. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, we. I left it to the end because I always like to leave mm -hmm. on a positive note. Right. But the negative ones were so much stronger mm -hmm. that... It right. just didn't come up. So when I asked him if he had a positive one, I think he said something like, I don't know, going to Six Flags or something. And, but it was, so, it was so minute at that mm -hmm. point that it didn't matter. Right. Because unfortunately, those are the things that come up first. Exactly. So if you asked me right now, and I have forgiven my ex-husband and forgiven myself, mm -hmm. which is critical to be very able to critical. move on. Very, very critical. But if you asked me about good times, I could probably name a few, mm -hmm. but you know what? I probably have to dig deep mm -hmm. because the negative ones are so forefront in right. my mind right. that those are the ones that come out first. Right. And do you know that it's actually possible through ministry that you can have those memories and not have the sting and the pain? That would be so nice. That is, and that's an absolute truth. That and would I, be so and nice. And I am a testament of that. Absolutely. And I see it happen all the time. Okay. So you're never going to lose the memory. But you don't have to have the sting. Well, they always say that you, you can forgive but not forget, which is probably true. Right. Are you never going to forget? I don't think you should forget. No, I don't, you can't forget. How are you going to forget a you memory? You can't. You can't forget a memory, but you can get to a place where it no longer has a hook in I can say it has a hook in you. I, I like that attitude. And, um, <clears throat> and that's the power of the gospel. Okay. For sure. So I'm going to, I wanted Carla to say a couple things, but she might have had to go pick up I her daughter. I think she had to leave. Okay, yeah. so Carla uh, couldn't stay. She had to pick up her daughter from school. But I will leave you all with this. I believe that I'm not the only one. If you could just turn that around. Yeah. I believe I'm not the only person here that's listening today that had this had an effect on. Because I think that we all have issues that we could resolve, mm -hmm. don't know how to resolve, when I said to you a couple weeks ago that I was interested, mm -hmm. I wasn't bullshitting you. Mm -hmm. I meant it. Mm -hmm. But it's an effort for me to call you. Is it? Yes. Even though I know I'm going to help myself, it takes... When you have to do something uncomfortable that doesn't feel good, mm -hmm. you're going to feel some resistance. Exactly. I think we all probably have that Everyone that does fear. that, yeah. You go, okay, well, if I make that phone call, that means I have to be in. I want to be in. But I'm not going to let you leave today until I register for your class. Okay. Fair Fantastic. enough? Fantastic. Okay. Fantastic. Because I know I'm doing something good for me. Exactly. And I'm not only doing something good for me, but it's something that I can pass on to my children who will greatly benefit greatly from benefit. this. Assuming that you have an open mind. Because if you have a closed mind, that door is closed, right? You're exactly. not going to walk through a door if it's closed. I'm going to walk through that closed door and force myself to do it because I know I'm going to benefit. Right. So if anyone else feels that they could benefit from getting rid of some anger, bitterness, stress, things that went on in your life that weren't quite kosher. Yeah. And you, you're still living with the repercussions of that. Like I'm living with this thing with my mother that I so badly want to release. You might benefit from this as well. So I hope you take Vicky up on this. Vicky, how do you spell? It's V-I-C-K-I-E. Yes. Okay, and her last name is K like kitten N E I P P Knipe. And I had a hard time with her name because if I don't write it, I wanted to call you Knife. I don't know. A knife sounded good to me and. 
which is probably something bad about that. Anyway, calmnation.com. And I'll just give you a phone number, too, so you can contact me through this phone number, 469-853-4146. Okay, perfect. So you can call Vicki if you're interested and you're not sure, and you can just call and have a conversation, exactly. and there's no harm in doing that. Or you can go on her website, calmnation.net. Yes. It's .net, okay. And register for classes. And let's see where this goes. I'm kind mm -hmm. of, I would like to be a, su a success story. I would love to help you. Yes. So, um, and Carla, I was just going to mention really quick, she, uh, Carla Nunn, N-U-N-N, she is doing something called Mommy Strong. And that is a 12-week class on transforming yourself physically and mentally. Mm-hmm. And that's 12 weeks of working out, and mm -hmm. I don't know, I just, I've been doing a couple of classes every Sunday at her um, at her home. Yes. And uh, we've done it on essential oils, we've done mm -hmm. it on Arbonne Clean Makeup, mm -hmm. and now uh, you today, and I'm missing Yeah, I'll somebody. be there on Sunday. You'll be there I'll on be Sunday. I'll be speaking on Sunday. Well, you know what, why don't we mention that? Yes. It's at 7100. 7100 West Parker Road in yes. Plano. So it's actually in the, it's an apartment complex, so it's in the uh, clubhouse area. Exactly. And so it's an hour and a half. And I've gone for the last three weeks on the different segments that she's run, and I come away learning something. So if you want to kind of come and do that and just see what this is about, that's yeah. a good opportunity to do that. And sure. it's free. It's free. It's free. Free is good, right? Free is good. I you like come free. Come kick the tires for no... So I'm going to end with uh, thank you, Vicki, for joining us today and, and making us aware that we all probably have something that we, some bitterness, anger, and stress yep. we could get rid of and make for a better life. Much better life. Much better life. And a healthier and, life. And a healthier life. You know what? There's a lot to be said for that. I don't like negative thoughts. And mm -hmm. that's why this whole mm -hmm. thing is such a bother to me because I feel like it lives in negativity. Yes. And I, don't, I just don't want it. Exactly. I want it to go away. Mm -hmm. Actually, I want it to go away, but I want to understand. And I can help you understand. Okay, good. I like understanding. Yes. So I'll leave you today with two books I've written that are also for sale on kickitwithdonna.com. And on that website, you can also listen to all my other episodes. And I think I'm up to about, I don't know, 45 or 50 wow. at this point. I love talking to people, so if you have comments on any of the episodes I've done or you want to share a story, I'd love to hear your story. My two books are Headstrong, Surviving a Traumatic Brain Injury Without Losing My Mind, and that's about an accident I had nine years ago, and then I wrote another one called Heartstrong, Overcome Obstacles and Live Life to the Fullest. We all have those obstacles. I think we just pretty much spent an hour talking about them. That's right. <laughs> so. You can order those online if you so desire, and they also come in audio as well. And the episodes on that I've done on podcasting can also be had on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. So knock yourselves out. Go listen and let me know what you think. Have a good one, folks. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.